Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Still standing by for President Joe Biden. He was scheduled to speak to the nation at 10 a.m. Utah time. We're now at 1. And uh, latest, we have just been given an update uh, from the White House that it will be at 2.30 Utah time, 4.30 uh, Eastern time today, that the president will address the nation. And so there are many questions. Uh, The president met earlier today with G7 leaders. Uh, We know that uh, conversations have been going on with the Taliban. We know that members of the United States Congress have been briefed uh, on the situation in Afghanistan. Let's get past the headlines. Let's make sure we get down to the realities of what we know, where we are, and what comes next. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. As we said, we are still standing by. It's been a long standby on the day today. We know the president did spend significant time with the G7 on a uh, virtual call uh, talking about the situation in Afghanistan. And interesting, Wall Street Journal uh, reported out that the president told the G7 that he was confident that the U.S. would meet the deadline of August 31st, uh, contrary to many of the reports that were coming out of Washington, D.C., even coming out of the secure briefings that were held uh, yesterday and today in our nation's capital. And uh, all of that's created a lot of confusion in terms of where are we really? How many Americans are still in Afghanistan? How many of our allies are still in Afghanistan that we need to help and support? And then, of course, among the Afghan people themselves, How many of those translators, guides, and contractors and their families are still there? We're seeing reports uh, coming out that the Taliban has declared that Afghans cannot leave the country, uh, that they are not allowed to use the roads that lead to the airport. So those checkpoints are getting tighter and more tightly controlled by the Taliban uh, and also, of course, we know that the uh, Taliban has said no extension of the deadline. So we have so many competing pieces of information going on, which creates confusion rather than clarity. And that is, uh, I think, the biggest challenge for the Biden administration. Uh, and to be very clear, I don't think there's a single person in this country that wants anything but good to come out of a really bad situation in Afghanistan. Uh, And so let's be really clear, especially as we get to some of the rhetoric uh, that comes and is coming 
from both sides of the political aisle. And what I want to make sure we get to and that we continue to focus on is what do we know and what are we going to do and how do we lead? How does the United States lead our way out of this? How do we make sure that we can give uh, confidence to our allies and to those who we owe our loyalty and uh, at least a good path forward to that have stood shoulder to shoulder with our brave women and men uh, in Afghanistan? And how do we do that? And then, of course, we have a host of refugees uh, that are now in uh, horrific conditions in Qatar. Uh, the memos that have been going out in terms of the situation in Qatar and other places uh, is really heart-wrenching, as heart-wrenching uh, as some of those images that we've seen from outside the airport in Kabul. And we, we have to look at all of those things. Why were we not ready? We knew this evacuation was coming. If we weren't surprised by all of this, uh, then we should have been ready in terms of what that evacuation process looks like. Uh, instead, in, in Qatar, uh, there are images and memos coming out uh, that show a real chaos, that uh, there is uh, just squalor uh, and rats and all kinds of things that people are just, uh, just beyond belief. Uh, and so, again, why? Why is that? Now, we'll go back and break it down and figure it out and make sure uh, people understand how we do that properly. But my question continues to be, is the administration able to take in information, process it, strategically look at it, uh, make applications to it for what the current situation is, make decisions, and then take decisive action? And... I think that has been grossly lacking. Again, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, independent, whether you love President Biden or detest President Biden or anything in between, uh, there is a problem of process going on inside the White House. And that worries me. Because, again, regardless of the politics of all of this, let's talk of the people of all of this. Let's talk the principles of all of this. And the people and the principles of all of this to me is how do we make sure uh, that those who are in need inside of Afghanistan first, how are we making sure that we're providing them safe passage and moving it out? What decisions are being made there? And if we can't get to that, uh, then all the other rhetoric stuff uh, is pretty irrelevant uh, in my book. Uh, and the rhetoric is there, clearly, and there are stories to be told, clearly. There are heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching stories that are being told. And what are we going to do? What's what's the next step? And so I, I want to go for a moment. Uh, I'm actually going to go to uh, Representative Chris Stewart to join Dave and Debbie on Dave and Dejanovic earlier today. And I want to go to something that he said that, that struck me. Uh, in the midst of all of the other rhetorical pieces that, again, are coming from all sides, uh, he said something that I think is really important uh, as a grounding mechanism, a, a stake we need to drive into the ground today uh, in terms of what matters most. Talking with U.S. soldier over the weekend who spent years with the uh, Afghan soldiers, who they saved his life more than once. He saved their life. And he's talking to me in tears, saying, this individual has called me, and he's begging, isn't there anything you can do? My wife, I don't know where she is. I don't know where my kids are. Is there anything you can do for my family? We owe these people 
And it breaks my heart that we're breaking that vow we made to them. That was Representative Chris Stewart with uh, Dave Dejanovic earlier today here on KSL News Radio, and we owe them, uh, we owe them our, our some loyalty and some certainty in terms of a path forward. Uh, that we promised them that we would not leave them behind, that we would uh, honor our commitments to them, and that needs to be done. Now, I want to go to a press briefing that was held earlier today following several of the secure briefings that were held in the United States Capitol with members of Congress and with members of uh, the Defense Department, Secretary of State, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And interesting, both Democrats and Republicans struggled struggled with the content and the lack of clarity and the the real brevity uh, of these briefings uh, where there really wasn't an opportunity to ask all the questions and get to all the answers. Uh, so I want you to listen to House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, um, who kind of gave some interesting perspective in terms of, hey, where's our focus right now and where should it be? As I watch other countries and our allies across this world bring their bodies back together of government to work on how to bring their citizens home, the Democrats bring us back to spend trillions of dollars. They fight because they can't bring a rule up. They spend their time on phones trying to twist arms to get people to vote, whereas they should drop that. And our entire focus, Republican, Democrat, independent alike, should be nothing else than bringing our Americans home. I look to the UK, they brought their parliament back to work on bringing their citizens home. We should be doing exact same. Again, that was uh, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy uh, after a closed-door secure briefing on the situation in Afghanistan. And this is the thing I've been calling on for a week now. Why is it that all of these other nations have called Parliament and their governments back into session to talk about Afghanistan? Uh, President Biden waited almost five days before he even reached out to any of our allies, let alone talking to members of Congress and reconvening them in Washington to deal with this. Uh, we've got a lot more to talk about as it relates to this. Uh, stay with us here on KSL News Radio. We'll bring you live coverage. The president is now scheduled to speak at 2.30 local time. We'll cover that and we'll continue the conversation of where are we, where do we go next, and what is it that really matters most here on KSL News Radio. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.